0: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 44 of 211's Baseball Talk. My name is Dylan Baker. I'll be alone with you for the episode today. And of course, we've been gone for a couple of weeks. I apologize. It's been, it's been a busy couple of weeks. The last episode was September 19th. It's October 12th today. Almost a full month since our last episode. Uh, and of course, the day that we come back, I am sick and I've got a bit of a cold. So bear with me through this episode. I am on my own for this one. As We will recap everything that happened in the ALDS. We will talk about... And the NLDS, sorry, we'll talk about about the managerial vacancies and possible vacancies that might come about in the next coming weeks. We will see if there are any in the MLB, possible candidates for those jobs as well. We're mainly going to be focusing on the playoffs and the division series and the upcoming championship series that got underway yesterday between the Nationals and the Cardinals. And then today at 8 o'clock, we will see the Yankees and the Astros. So let's get right into things. The first division series we're going to take a look at is the wild card against the one seed in the American League, the Rays versus the Astros, and that series came down to the wire. Game 1, Justin Verlander was phenomenal. As expected, Verlander has been great as an Astro in the postseason, so he was uh, on his game again in that game. In a 6-2 Astros win, uh, and then the, the Astros beat the Rays again, 3-1 in Game 2. But then they lost 10-3 in Game 3 at the Trop, and then 4-1 in Game 4 at the Trop, Game 5. However, they won 6-1, and this was to be expected, obviously, because it is the one seed against the wildcard team, and the Rays did a great job of knocking out the A's in that wildcard game. They were aggressive offensively. They did not wait on Sean Mania for him to get to that filthy slider. They had a really good approach offensively against the Rays and did a really great job in the series against the Astros. The fact they made it to five games was very impressive because, honestly, I didn't think they would make it Two anywhere past four, I didn't think that five was in the realm of possibilities. I thought the Astros would wrap it up in three, and if not, maybe they would wrap it up in four, but uh, a very, very good performance by the Rays in that series, and you cannot be disappointed if you're Tampa Bay. You got the wild card last year, you come in, yeah, you got eliminated by the one seed, but you still had a really good series, and everything was clicking for the Rays, except for maybe Tyler Glasnow, who in game five was rumored to be tipping pitches and it's something that you can't really pick up on as a fan unless you really pay very close attention to it and you are very attentive to what he's to what he's doing and what pitch he might be throwing but the Astros seem to have pick up picked up on something and there was an instance where you could really tell something was going on, and the Astros had some kind of intel. They weren't necessarily stealing signs, per se. We've kind of ruled that one out. But the fact that Glasnow might have been tipping his pitches, showing which one he's going to throw, just based on tendencies, is certainly something that could have happened. Because there was a discussion between Alex Bragman and one of his teammates. I forget who it was, but he came out of the dugout and was in a very passionate discussion with one of his teammates for a solid 30 seconds to one minute during a commercial break. And he might have been revealing... What what tipped uh, what tipped him off after he hit a double in the at-bat prior? So Glasnow, that's something he's going to look at. He's got plenty of time to think about it because the next time he'll be taking them out is in spring training of next year. But you know what? That series was a, was a roller coaster. Justin Verlander was obviously not as good in Game 4 as he was in Game 1. In Game 1, he was probably one of the better Verlanders we've seen in the postseason for the Astros. But in Game 4, he was not. He didn't allow a lot of runs. He did not allow the 10 that the Astros did in Game 3 but he did allow four runs over three and two-thirds innings. So he struggled quite a bit at the drop. And you know what? Zach Greinke, I think, summed it up best in his interview before the championship series. Greinke got knocked around by the Rays in game three. He said, it's a lot tougher to pitch when you're facing good hitters versus not as good hitters. So Zach Greinke, with his words of wisdom sharing with us, and we certainly appreciate it. He said that at a press conference that lasted right around 2 minutes and not a very eventful one at that. He was just kind of sitting back, relaxing and why not? You got an ALC or an ALCS to worry about as he gets the ball in game 1 against Masahiro Tanaka for game 1 of the ALCS which can be seen at 808 Eastern time tonight on Fox and then tomorrow the Astros and Yankees are back at it. Moving over to the other American League Division Series, the Twins against the Yankees and I don't know, I don't know what I can really say to sum up that series besides domination from New York's standpoint because they played three solid games where they just dominated the Twins. It wasn't really that close. A 10-4 win and an 8-2 win in games 1 and 2. And then 5-1 was the closest score in that series. And it was still a four-run gap between the two teams. I think that the Yankees did what they needed to do. And the Twins, in my mind, were a little bit overhyped, a little bit overrated. Yes, they won 100 games but most of the games that they played were against that central division that was just terrible. Cleveland uh they made a run for things at the end of the series at the end of the season pardon me, but they didn't do much during the regular season. So the, yes, the Twins got to 100 games, 100 wins, but it shouldn't really count for as much because of the teams that they had to face in those wins and there was that terrible AL Central and I think two of the bottom 5 teams in the MLB are in that central division being the Tigers and the Royals, so it was just a bad division, and a bad series, honestly, it was not that entertaining between the Yankees and the Twins, because the Yankees just came, came out and dominated in every game, and of course, Paxton was great, so was Luis Severino in Game 3, I think they turned to the right guy in Severino in that game, he was ready for it, I know he was injured for most of the year, just recently came back, but he seemed like he was on his game for sure in, uh, in that one, he did a really, really good job in Game 3, the twins. I mean, I'm not really too sure how to how to sum things up. They didn't have great pitching, and it really, really, really showed in the playoffs because Jose Barrios, who's their ace, came in and allowed three runs over four innings in game one. He wasn't able to get any length uh, in that in that start, and obviously only one of them was earned. But still, he was not able to go deep in that game. And then in game two, Randy Dobnak, who's a phenomenal story, got the start and allowed four earned runs in two innings. And you know what? Randy Dobnak's story comes to a bit of a a bittersweet end because obviously Dobnak made it to the postseason and got a postseason start, but he got knocked around in that postseason start, and the Twins got eliminated in the first round by the Yankees. So I I think Rocco Baldelli's entirely to blame for that, I I don't think he should have started Dobnak in that situation. Dobnak would have been phenomenal out of the bullpen, I feel, in that series, but I don't think you can throw a guy like that who was out of the game uh, for most of the season or wasn't really pitching at a high level for a lot of the season – he only pitched in nine games, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for the Twins in the regular season, and then yes, yeah, so nine games. He went two and one with a one five nine ERA. I don't think he was ready for that big of a stage, that big of a game against the Yankees, and it really showed. And you can't blame Randy for that. You blame Rocco Baldelli for putting him in that situation where he might not have been ready for it, and wound up costing them a win in that in that game and potentially changing the series because Dobnak, I feel like, one inning, maybe the sixth or the seventh. Uh, along the line would have been phenomenal. You look at his stats during the regular season, they tell the whole story. Dobnak was a really, really good uh, arm for the Twins in the regular season, but it came down to the playoffs, and he struggled quite a bit in his start against the Yankees. So Dobnak struggled, and the Twins ended up losing that series. Not a great one for them, and not a great one for the viewers at home. And we look ahead to the ALCS now between the Astros and the Yankees, and game one, it'll be Tanaka against Granke, Game 2, it'll be Paxton against Verlander. Game 3, it'll be Cole against Severino. So all all of the starters for the first three games have been announced. It'll be interesting to see whether the Astros decide to go with Wade Miley in Game 4, or whether Zach Greinke will be ready for the ball there. It's obviously a very short rest if you throw Greinke, but you never know how uh, how ready he will be. He doesn't throw very hard, and at times that can uh, help your arm quite a bit last a little bit longer and be ready for more things. We saw it, we see it all the time with knuckleballers who are able to pitch into their 40s. I don't know if We'll see that ever again because of analytics and how nobody really wants someone that's in their 40s. Bartolo Colon didn't get a contract this year. He's got a book coming out, Big Sexy. I would recommend you buy it. I haven't read it, but it's Bartolo Colon. You probably should buy it. But anyway, uh, he doesn't throw very hard, so his arm can last longer and maybe be ready a little bit faster than Verlander or Cole, who throw in the high 90s. It'll be interesting to see whether the Astros go with Miley in Game 4, or do they go with Greinke in that game? Because they went with Miley out of the bullpen in Game 3 of the Division Series. And he struggled a fair amount. Obviously, it was not great for the Astros in that game. But uh, it, that was that was the 10-4 game. So maybe he'll have more success against the Yankees. I'm not too sure what his personal stats against the New York Yankees are. But he really got knocked around by the Rays in game three out of the bullpen. So did Zach Greinke, who's just not a great pitching performance for the Astros. And I think a real teller of whether we'll see Miley or not is whether he comes out of the pen tonight. If Zach Greinke has a good outing and is able to go five innings in the game and maybe use Miley for two, you will likely see him start game four. If you see Greinke go one or two innings and you need some distance out of Miley in the bullpen, I don't see a, a way that the Astros can throw him into the fire in game four because... I feel like you really need that I feel like Game Four is a pivotal game in the series. No matter what the series looks like, whether the Astros are winning 3-0 and they want to stop all momentum for the Yankees and win that game, that's a big start. And if they're trying to get back in the series or tie it up, that is an even bigger start. So and it, it's it becomes even, even bigger if it's two to one. So either way, no no matter which way you put it, it's a big start for the Astros. And if Miley throws a couple of innings, three, four or five innings, um, in this, in this game today, uh, in Game 1, I don't think we'll see him at all in Game 4 as a, as a starter or anywhere in the series as a starter because I feel like they need someone who's fresh and someone who's ready to go to get the ball during the ALCS. Moving over to the National League now, the Dodgers and the Nationals. That was wild. Walker Buehler. First, let's talk about Walker Buehler. In two starts in that uh, NLDS, he was phenomenal. He pitched, I believe, a combined 13 innings between the two starts. I believe he pitched six in game. uh, He pitched six and two-thirds. So he he pitched a combined 13 and two-thirds innings in the playoffs in that NLDS. And he was amazing. Walker Buehler, always phenomenal. I believe he allowed one run over those two starts combined. So he was really, really good as usual as to be expected for the Dodgers. He got the ball in game one instead of Clayton Kershaw. I think it's something we needed to see. I was a little bit surprised Sihanjin Ryu did not get the ball in Game 1 or Game 2, but Bueller was the right guy to go to. He lives for those big moments, and that's when he performs his best. So a great move there by Dave Roberts, who is not moving, apparently, according to Andrew Friedman. Uh, This offseason, he will remain the Dodgers manager going into 2020. But Walker Bueller was phenomenal. Clayton Kershaw, on the other hand, not so much. He struggled, uh, as he tends to do in the postseason, and that's something we've seen quite a bit. The fact that Kershaw really buckles under the pressure. And in Game 2, he struggled, and he ended up losing that game for the Dodgers. And it was a 4-2 to game, so it was still close. But Kershaw was not himself, allowed three runs over six innings. It was not the dominant Kershaw we always see in the regular season. And then in Game 5, he was even worse. He ended up blowing that game for the Dodgers he came in and allowed a home run to Juan Soto and I believe Anthony Rendon I could be wrong about that but it was really it was a really really bad outing for Clayton Kershaw and it's disappointing because you wonder when is he going to come out and perform in the postseason. we see how well he plays in the regular season how well he pitches and he said the worst part about struggling the postseason is having to go into the clubhouse and realize how much you let the guys down Kershaw's got to find a way to have success in the postseason and I don't know if that's coming out of the bullpen, like we saw David Price like uh, in Game 5 of the ALDS in 2015. We saw Marcus Stroman get the ball for the Blue Jays instead of David Price. Maybe that's something that we see happen with Clayton Kershaw. He strictly pitches out of the bullpen in big games, but they tried that. Dave Roberts tried that. He started Walker Bueller in Game 5 over Clayton Kershaw, which was the right move, obviously, but... Kershaw still buckled under the pressure. So Clayton Kershaw has to find a way to win in the postseason and to perform well in the postseason. We saw Rich Hill struggle in Game 4, and that game turned into a bullpen game, and the Dodgers blew that game as well. Like, I believe uh, it was Luis Arias. Sorry, Julio Arias. Luis Arias plays for the Padres, and he's an infielder, not a pitcher. But Julio Arias blew that game for the Dodgers. It was a bad performance by the pitching besides Walker Buehler and Hyunjin Ryu, who did a pretty good job in Game 3. Really good to see that Russell Martin was able to find success for the Dodgers in that series. Ryu pitched five innings and allowed two runs in game three, but that was the big game for Russell Martin where he hit the home run and was a really, really dominant performer for the Dodgers and a big reason why they won that game. It's unfortunate because I feel like Russell Martin, this is his last season. I think this is his last shot. This was his last shot at getting a ring because I don't know that there are going to be many teams that want to sign a veteran catcher like Martin who probably only plays max two out of five games in out uh, of uh, uh, your catches, two out of five pitchers in your rotation, maybe becomes a personal catcher for one of them. But I I just don't see Martin getting another opportunity with a big league team. And that's really, really unfortunate because he's such a great clubhouse presence. And he's just not producing offensively. And that's what's, that's what's really going to hurt him down the road because he uh, he obviously is going to want a new contract next year. But I don't think he's going to get one. I think he's going to retire after this season. And it's unfortunate because it would have been nice to see Russell Martin, the former Blue Jay, the Canadian Getting a ring, but I just can't see it happening. To the Nationals, I mean, they had a really, really good series. In Game 1, obviously, Patrick Corbin struggled a little bit. Allowed two runs. Only one of them was earned, and he did a pretty good job in Game 1. In Game 2, we saw typical Steven Strasburg, who was phenomenal against the Dodgers. Really shut them down. And he outpitched Clayton Kershaw in the postseason. Really good to see the Nationals made it to the next round. Something they were unable to do. And they did it without Bryce Harper, who left the team. For $330 I believe is what it was in Philadelphia, and didn't make the postseason, which was pretty hilarious if you ask me, just because I don't personally love Bryce Harper, um, based on the player he is, not necessarily the human being he is, because he does donate a lot to charity and is very involved in the community in Philadelphia, and was as well in Washington, but as a player I really dislike Bryce Harper and it was pretty funny to see that the Nationals actually made it to the NLCS without Bryce. You know what? All the pitchers in that uh in that rotation did well. Adibal Sanchez even in the game that the Nationals lost at home in game 3, that was Patrick Corbin out of the bullpen who allowed 6 runs and that's when Corbin really struggled. Like, he was not bad in game 1. But then Dave Martinez, I think, maybe tried to bring him back a little bit early after Corbin threw deep into the game in Game 1. I think it was the wrong move to bring him in in Game 3 because he was not quite fully rested. He didn't have his arm fully back to its to its maximum potential, and he ended up blowing that game for the Nationals. But uh, I feel like everyone in that rotation performed well when they were told to start. And Max Scherzer, of course, was dominant in Game 4, as Max Scherzer usually is. Seven innings, four hits, one run, and that's why they let him start the wild card game in which he pitched i i would say poorly he was not himself in that wild card game but he was great in game 4 of that series in washington and then of course in game 5 steven strasburg 6 innings 3 runs did allow 3 runs there but patrick corbin on the bullpen was able to shut the door daniel hudson has been a great Great arm for them out of the bullpen in the playoffs. Hudson, of course, came over from the Blue Jays in a trade that I thought the Nationals won, and I stand by that claim uh, because Hudson was great for them in the division series, and, of course, he was not there yesterday for Game 1 in St. Louis because he welcomed a new child, so congratulations to Daniel Hudson. Uh, But he was not there for Game 1 of the NLCS for that reason, but he was really, really good in the NLDS He came up with some big outs and pitched some big innings for the Nationals. So Hudson was really good for them. And Doolittle was great in Game 1 of the NLDS out of the bullpen. He got the save, which is normally where Hudson has been pitching most of his outings out of the bullpen for the Nationals. Moving on now to the other NLDS, the Braves and the Cardinals. Boy, oh boy, the massacre in Atlanta. That was Game 5. First, let's take a look. Let's go in reverse order in this series. In Game 5, the Cardinals scored 10 in the first inning, 1 in the second, and 2 in the third, and that's all they scored in the game. But all they scored includes a 10-run inning, which is super difficult for a team to overcome, especially if it's at the top of the first and they haven't even hit yet, haven't had a chance to put runs on the board. A really terrible, disappointing performance for Atlanta because I think they are far superior to the Cardinals in talent, but in execution, that was Mike Shildt all the way, and great, great performance for the Cardinals. Certainly, certainly, certainly not for the Braves. In Game One, it was a wild one because the Cardinals uh, were down for a while. Miles Michaelis was good, but then they came back and they won the game. Crazy game in Game One in Atlanta. Uh, and we saw Ronald Acuna's home run where he did his home run trot and it got Carlos Martinez all angry. I didn't have a problem with it. You know what? It was a big home run when it happened. Because it made the game close. It was the ninth inning. They had a shot to come back and win the game. It's not like he did that in the 13-1 to Game 5. He did it in a game where they had a shot to come back and win. And it was Game 1 at home. I didn't have a problem with Ronald Acuna Jr.'s home run trot. I get it. He was losing in the game. And maybe he shouldn't have done that. But I don't have a problem with what he did. I think that the Cardinals and Carlos Martinez overreacted just a little bit. So, you know what? I don't have a problem with what Acuna did. But that was a crazy, crazy game. And then in Game 2, we saw a... Phenomenal performance from Mike Uh, He pitched seven innings, allowed three hits, no runs, struck out seven. He did not walk a batter either. And for a guy who is known for struggling with his command a little bit, it was really good to see that Avich did not walk a batter in that game because he was on his game, he pitched seven scoreless. He was really, really, really a great arm for the Braves in that one. So really good to see that Avich was able to do that. But unfortunately... In game five, it was not so great. Jack Flaherty got the start in game two for the Cardinals, and he was not himself. He started on the Sunday, I believe, the last Sunday of the regular season, and he was on short rest, if I'm not mistaken. But he was not uh, the Jack Flaherty that we saw dominate in the tail end of the regular season. So Flaherty was not himself in that game, and that's, I think, the reason why the Braves won it, because if Fulton Avich is his normal self, which is not exactly a dominant pitcher, and Flaherty is himself, I don't think the Cardinals go home uh, with a tied series. I think they have a 2-0 lead when they go back for Game 3. And Game 3 was also crazy. Mike Soroka, the Canadian, the Calgary native, was great in his performance on the road, as he usually is. Seven innings, two hits, one run, seven strikeouts. And for a guy who's more known to be a ground ball pitcher, interesting to see that Soroka got seven Ks in the ball game. Great performance by him. But at the time, if I'm not mistaken, Adam Wainwright was doing even better and wound up uh, keeping the Braves to no runs over seven and two-thirds innings. And Andrew Miller came in. And closed that inning off. They closed the 8th inning off. Still no runs. The Braves were down going into the ninth, And Carlos Martinez blew the game. It wound up being a 3-1 to Braves win in that one. Martinez choked under the pressure. And we saw him do that in Game 1 a little bit. Where he allowed the home run to Acuna. And the Braves to come back in that, in that game a little bit. He did close the door eventually in this game. Unfortunately, he was not able to do so. The Braves had a great shot to win the game. And they did. Clutch hit by Adam Duvall. As we've seen all postseason, or as we saw all postseason, I guess they're eliminated now. Adam Duvall was a pleasant surprise to the Braves in that series. I think he was great for them. Um, and came up with some clutch hits at the right time. And then in game four, that one was interesting because we saw Dallas Keichel, who was also oh dominant in game one, really, really struggle. But the Braves' offense came back and helped him out. Keichel only went three and a third innings, allowing three runs. But the offense was there in that game for the Braves. They scored the four, they scored four runs. Unfortunately, in the 8th inning, they allowed the Cardinals to score a run. And then in the 10th inning, there was Yadier Molina's sacrifice fly that wound up winning the game for St. Louis. And you know what? There were so many opportunities for the Braves to win that game, but they did not capitalize on them. So I think the Cardinals deserved to win it. In Game 5, I mean, there's not much that needs to be said about Game 5. It was a 13-1. Cardinals win. Domination in Atlanta. Um, you know what? I think that going with Fultonavich in Game 5 was the wrong move. I think maybe you try and get Soroka on short rest. I don't know who you go with maybe you go with a bullpen day that might have been better but Mike Fultonavich we saw him in game two he was great however last year in the NLDS against the Dodgers and I know it, it was a year between that game and the, that series and this one but Fultonavich was really not good under the pressure and I was a little bit I was questioning a little bit the move uh to to go to Fultonavich in game five. So I don't think there was the right way to go if you're Brian Snicker, and it wound up costing it because Fultonavich was not great in that first inning that allowed the Cardinals to score, to score 10 runs. NLCS. Nationals-Cardinals game one was in the, is in the books. Last night, there was game one in St. Louis. Annabal Sanchez flirted with a no-hitter for the longest time. And unfortunately, it was broken up after seven and two-thirds innings of no-hit ball the Nationals ended up winning that game, and they deserve to do so. Sanchez was dominant; he hit a couple of batters, but that's just because whatever that the butterfly pitch I think is what he calls it got away from him and hit two guys. But I think it was a really good outing by Annabal Sanchez, and a really, really good performance by the Nationals in that game. Who do I think will go to the World Series? That's tough. I think if Jack Flaherty is on his game for whatever many starts he gets however many starts he gets in that series, I think that the Cardinals have a legitimate shot because Flaherty is a phenomenal starting pitcher. And I think that if they do, if Flaherty is on his game, I can see the Cardinals using him as a weapon out of the bullpen in a game seven situation, if possible, or if necessary. I think that if Flaherty's on, I see the Cardinals going to the World Series. If the Nationals are able to touch up Flaherty, I think that the Nats end up going to their their first World Series as a franchise, which will be really fun to see. And Really good for the uh, Nationals fan base and the city of Washington. In the ALCS, this is the matchup we've all been waiting for throughout the playoffs. It's the Astros and it's the Yankees. I'm going to go with the Astros. I think they make it to the World Series. Um, I think it's going to go to seven games. I think we're going to have points in that series where we sit there and we think, you know what? Maybe the Yankees can win this. Or, you know what? The Astros are really pulling away now. They're going to win it. And I think the opposing team is going to come back and prove you wrong, but I do think the Astros come up with the win in the end, and in Game 7, they do end up winning that game at Minute Maid Park, and I think home field advantage is a big thing in that series, because you can either play a Game 7 at Yankee Stadium, which is phenomenal for the Yankees, but awful for the Astros, or you can play a Game 7 at Minute Maid, which is much, much better for Houston, and awful for the Yankees because that place is a dome, and it is always very loud. I see the Astros making it to the World Series, and I think they were really, really, really helped by the home field advantage there. Take a look at the managerial vacancies. We've got, I believe, eight of them. I hear that John Gibbons is in the running for the Mets managerial job, and Mickey Calloway had to go. Like, he was not a great manager in New York after two seasons, didn't make it to the playoffs, and this year they probably had one of their better shots. Pete Alonzo won the home run crown, and Marcus Stroman came over in a trade at the deadline. He was not great, Marcus Stroman, but you know what? They still had the pieces. They had DeGrom, Syndergaard. They had uh, Zach Wheeler, who was great. I don't think that there was any reason that they shouldn't have made the playoffs at the Ross that they had. They had Cano and Edwin Diaz. Unfortunately, that bullpen really was really bad. And uh, Callaway, I think it was the time for him to be fired. I'm interested to see if John Gibbons uh, goes for that managerial job, if they do take him. I think Carlos Beltran might also be an interesting candidate. And then in Philadelphia, of course, Gabe Kapler was fired recently, and I think they're... I don't know who they should go for. You know what? I heard Kurt Schilling wants to be a manager. I don't think he'd be the right guy for the job. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see who they go with because on a team that has Reese Hoskins, you got Bryce Harper, JT Muto, Aaron Nolan in the rotation, Jake Arietta who underperformed this year but has shown the ability to be really, really good in the rotation. I think that there's no reason that that team shouldn't go to the playoffs. I think that the two teams, I think that the NL East is really stacked besides the Miami Marlins in the sense that there should be three of those four teams in the playoffs and three of the five teams that make it to the playoffs in uh, in each league should be National or National League East teams. I think that one of those teams that's to win the division, two of them should be battling it out for the wild card, with the third one trailing behind and trying to trying to fight their way in for a spot. That's what I think it should have been in the NL East, but it was not. So I think Gabe Kapler firing was the right move. I think the, the Mickey Holloway fire was the right move. Dave Roberts, I also think should be fired. Obviously he led his team to two World Series, but they didn't win either of them, and then couldn't get to couldn't get past. The NLDS this year, I think Roberts should be fired. But since they signed him to a four-year extension last year, it's not going to happen. This has been episode. Oh, just breaking news now: David Freeze has retired. Congratulations to David Freeze on a phenomenal career. Wow, that's uh, that's a. Uh, we're talking about playoffs and clutch hits and clutch pitching performances. One of the most clutch players ever in the postseason was David Freeze. So congratulations, to, congratulations to David on a phenomenal career. As a member of the St. Louis Cardinals, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the LA Dodgers, I'm sure I'm forgetting one team. I can't seem to think of who they are at the moment, but congratulations to David Fries on a great career. This has been episode 44 of 2 Eleven's Baseball Talk, and I know we were gone for a while, but we do hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will see you all after the championship series.